Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. And this is the Dr. Dan edition. We were not able to connect yesterday, but Dan is here with us today. And I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping leaders hire awesome talent. Dan, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Good to be back here. Uh, Good to see you, Dan. It's been a couple of weeks been a couple of months we've uh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing this what about eight months now we've been doing this i think for the duration of the pandemic yeah, yeah i think even before the pandemic we i did. believe so i think we started in i don't know if we started in february or march but i know we uh, we definitely took it up a notch right um, since we all got locked down right and um it's been just amazing i know we have i think one more or two more Mondays before the end of the year, one or two, the 21st and 28th. So we'll make sure that hopefully you're on with us closing we'll out the year. Yeah, but um, we are here today. I want to kick it off before we even start. Danielle is here. Hey, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. We love Danielle. Danielle's our head of merch. She's going to hook us up with some really good um, T-shirts, and hoodies, and all that good stuff. But in any event, I wanted to bring you on, Dan, today and our topic, <laughs> the O moment, uh, because of all that's been happening. So right now, obviously, at this point, everyone knows about all of the, you know, the big breach and, you know, with FireEye and SolarWinds and the federal government and all of that. And so, you know, what happens when we have a situation like this, another kind of a black swan type, well, you know, it's not a pandemic, but a big, big, big deal. Um, and so um, in the midst of situations like this, obviously there's chaos and, you know, your fate, one of my favorite lines that you have is talking about, you know, pu putting the plug in before something hits the fan. Um, but in this case, you know, the, the plug is in, right? So <laughs> the plug is everybody, in. Everybody's covered. Everybody's and those who have heard this, what I say to people, people will say, when should, I, when should they call me? And I said, you imagine a big fan packed with wet manure and a guy with a plug by an outlet. You call me before he puts the plug in. But so many of people in all kinds of businesses, not just cybersecurity, uh, find that they're dealing with stuff after the fan is in. And so what we were talking about is how do you use that? How do you uh, perform at your absolute best in that, in that environment? And uh, I said to Renee, it brings me back to uh, the, and I, my book, Click, uh, Chad Pennington, who was a uh, quarterback for the Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, we used to talk about um, the 40-second play clock. If you have a play, it doesn't go well. Uh, you don't have a lot of time. You only have 40 seconds to run your next play. So you need to take all the feelings and emotions about a play that didn't go well and move it somewhere else to deal with it at another time, being very much aware of what you're doing. And so we would, you know, you, you can't beat yourself up right after the play because you have to run another one. So it's finding anything that distracts you, and this could be very distracting. So it comes back again to being very, very careful about how you talk to yourself, what you say to yourself. So using Renee as an example, I'd say, Renee, what does Renee hear Renee 
saying to Renee when Renee overhears Renee talking to Renee. <laughs> but again, it's, it's what contaminates performance all the time and the performance of your teams. So how to give people uh, some, uh, some strategies not to deal with that or to deal with it in a different way at a different time. That's such a good point, Dan. I mean, you have been providing this type of guidance uh, to people for years, your C-suite executives, all the different folks that you're dealing with. And what I love about what you say in particular is because of the sports analogy and the 40 second time clock and like not being able to think like you just have to be able to, you know, you're just moving forward. So um Talk to us more, like if you, you know, people that are dealing with these, this, this chaos, um, what kinds of strategies do you recommend for people who are dealing with this, who have to, you know, they have to deal with the aftermath? Great, great question. And, you know, it's, I had a, I had a client who was a, uh, a springboard diver, uh, held a springboard diving championship for four years in college in New York City. And I said to him, He's a business guy, a, a CPA, runs, owns a bank. And he said to me, uh, I said, what's the difference between springboard diving and uh, business? He said, absolutely nothing. It's all the same. He said, my dives are always the same, but the water is always different. So with everybody on this call, uh, and I've been astounded at how many people we have on this call from time to time, but uh, what, what's, there, there are no two situations alike whether it's a person who's trying to manage a team, manage people, promote themselves to a company, make themselves a valuable asset or promote how good they really are. So each one of these situations is different. So with, with generalities, we look for things that can derail your concentration. What, what can pull you off your game? What can drag you out of your lane into a lane that's not going to work for you? And the question is, is how much time do you have to spend doing that? Today, people say not a lot of time. I mean, when you think about every football game you see, there's a 40-second play clock. When a play's called down, the quarterback and the team only has 40 seconds to put the next one together. So they can't afford any distractions. They can't afford not being focused. And you can relate that right back to what you guys are doing now. And so everybody on this call has a separate challenge. Some of, some of the people that I deal with in cybersecurity, we work on those challenges on, on a daily basis or on an at-need basis with phone calls. Other people, we set up a strategy for uh, length of time that you're going to be involved in something or what your objectives are and how you move to all those objectives. But it's finding ways to do it. But the most important thing is what I'll come back to is is have you leave here today with two strategies that will help you to focus exactly on what you need to focus on in the moment. So this is not uh, magic. It's just what works. So I'll come back to one of my hockey goaltenders. I said to him, what, what's it like when you perform at your best? And you could ask yourself the same question. What's it like when you perform at your best? And he would say to me, well, when I perform at my best, I don't hear any crowds. The puck is the size of a dinner plate. And the game moves very slowly. 
He said, anytime one of those three things change, I know I'm losing my concentration. I said, so what do you do to get it back? He said, well, I hope that it'll come back. Well, we all know that hope is not a strategy. So I'll give you an example of how best to do this. And you can practice it. And I'll tell you, if your kids are athletes or you, you were involved in sports, you probably do something like this already. But if you just focus intently to the upper right-hand corner of your computer screen, focus just on a little corner where the two people, pieces meet, uh, and make your eyes like a laser looking at that and focusing right on that spot in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. And then without moving your eyeballs, this is important, uh, you become aware of something out of your left peripheral vision, whatever it is. For me, it's a window over here. Uh, with, uh, for you, what's a, what are you aware of out of your right peripheral vision? My right peripheral vision, I have a closet. So when you get all those three things together, whatever you see, on a, whatever you're aware of on the left without moving your eyeballs, whatever you're aware of on the right, your mind shuts down. And it allows you to focus directly on what you're trying to focus on. So somebody that's distracted uses this kind of a strategy to to uh, identify distraction very early. Now, when, when is distraction? When are you distracted? The way to control distraction is to notice when you're distracted. That's one part. The other part about this is the way you talk to yourself. People tolerate a tremendous amount of negative self-talk and speak to themselves in a manner they would never, ever let anybody else speak to them. So... How do you stop that? Some people have that tape going on, on and on, on and on, on and on. There's a very simple way to stop it. Try it right now. Push your tongue up on the roof of your mouth. When your tongue is on the roof of your mouth, you can't think of anything. <laughs> so the question is, how long do you want to listen to the crap that you're hearing? Uh, how helpful is it? Is it contaminating? Have you beating yourself up? Turn it off. It's like turning on a radio station that has lousy music or music you don't like. You turn it off. And so these are two strategies that my athletes use all the time and people in business. But when you're dealing with these kind of things, I think what's really important is, is that when a player is called down, whoever's gotten knocked down gets up again. And the question is, is how quickly do you get up? People today in, in cybersecurity can't afford to be, to be knocked down and stay down. So right. I'm sure they'll write books on, on articles and commentary about how and why this happened, how people were able to, to uh, move in on, on these agencies. But that's for afterwards. Right now, you have to figure you're moving forward. What's your next play? What's the next play you're involved in? And what this has happened, I think what, what's valuable to this for somebody who's in transition or in a company is to say, you know, if these people can be attacked, anybody can be attacked. So they need somebody who's really skilled and hypervigilant and knows what to look for and uh, trains their people to do the same thing. And that's really what I think Renee does is Renee puts together uh elite cybersecurity teams. And as I say every week, I said, 
you know, if somebody's looking for cybersecurity professionals, you don't go to the yellow pages. I think most of these people won't even know what the yellow pages is. <laughs> yeah, let me pause you for a second. Um, couple comments here coming in. Stefan says, good morning, Renee and Dan. Wonderful to be here listening to this insight, which is, that's what we're here for. And then Jeff says, tactically speaking, you have to keep your head up in a crisis and utilize playbooks and tabletops to prepare, get left of the boom. Um, as a common method to react to incidents, many refer to the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act. That's uh, it's great advice. But it's no, you know, it's taking yourself out of yourself and looking at what's going on around you. You know, I talk to clients a lot about, and it's really how I start out, is give me a thousand foot view of your life and your business and what yeah. you do. And that's what I, the, you know, one of the things, the real discussion here, Dan, today is around that, right? The thousand foot view, being able to pull yourself out in the moment, being able to react after the 40 second, you know, in the 40 second time clock. Like all of the strategies that we have talked about, I think over the course of these months that we share with people and you've been talking about it and saying, okay, this is what, this is what, this is when it, you know, this is what you do. Like, this is the win. <laughs> this is the win you do it. Um, I have a question about the one where you're putting your tongue to the roof of your mouth. This, uh, uh, a lady reached out to me and said that it doesn't work for her. Like, and, and I don't know if it's because I think she either used to suck her thumb, some, something, but with putting the tongue to the roof of her mouth doesn't work. Is, have you heard of that happening with people? And are there any other? Everybody, everybody I work with is amazed at how well it works. But, you know, it, it, it just, uh, but if you go back to the peripheral vision piece, just pick something right in front of you, become aware of something on your right and your left, and your mind closes down. Because what you've done is, is you've given your mind so much stuff to deal with, focusing intently on what's in front of you, becoming aware, not looking at, but becoming aware of the right, aware of the left. When you bring them all together, your mind goes, that's too much stuff. And that flips you right back to your subconscious mind where most of your training exists and uh, allows you to function that way, uh, almost like we've talked about before, unconscious competence. Many of you come up with solutions. You may, you, maybe you don't know where they come from. They just arrive because that's the, and it's understanding what you really do well. <coughs> And that, that's that's important, important, particularly if your responsibility is to mentor people underneath you. Because, you know, you can do things unconsciously because you're really good at it. But people who are trying to learn or break in or trying to learn how you think that's that person's calling for you again, Renee. <laughs> but but, it you know, that that really is one that's really one of the things that happens is that people need to uh, understand how that works. Yeah, Dan, I think that um, really understanding the subconscious mind is just so, uh, it's so important. And go ahead. It, it involves trust. I mean, when I would finish up my athletes, I said, at the end of the day, your sport, whatever it is, moves way, way, way too fast for you to think about what you're going to do. 
talk about a soccer player, talk about an MMA cage fighter, talk about a heavyweight prize fighter. They, they don't have time to think about what they're going to do next. They have to rely on their subconscious mind where their training is housed to perform on the spot with what happens. And, and it really requires somebody to uh, trust that. We would always stop. Every time I deal with an athlete, I always end up with saying you have to trust your training and trust your subconscious mind. Because it will take care of you. See, the subconscious mind must act out every thought, image, or idea you put into it. So the question is, what do you put in? Right. And, you know, the thing that we've talked about a lot is when people hear uh, them tell themselves what they don't want to have happen. Oh, I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. Well, your subconscious mind does never, never hears a negative command, ever. Ask anybody, you know, some people know I deal with golfers. Some people will, will tee a ball up over a water hole and say, I don't want to hit the ball in the water. Where's it going? It's going into the water. So, but again, and, and coming back coming back to football, when the, the uh, Patriots played the Giants the very first time in the Super Bowl, Somebody said to me, who do you think is going to win it? I said, well, I think the Patriots are going to find a way to lose. They said, you're crazy. They had 18 straight games that they've won. I said, but they're coming into this game telling themselves that they don't want to lose this game. That's a bad way to be starting. Dan, everything you talk about is just so timely. Let me shout out some more people. Aisha Berry is here. Good morning, Aisha. My buddy James Azar is here. Hey, James. So James says, and we, we joke around and call him Alex. I called him Alex Azar last week. <laughs> so that, that, was our, that was our joke for last week. James says the most challenging moment in a time like this is the timing. A few weeks before the holiday break, and people are now working around the clock in a year that's already been difficult. Right. You know, I, I everybody that I work with today is not in 2020. They're in 2026. Um, everybody, I believe. I take out to 2026 and say, tell me what 2026 looks like to you. Where, where do you want to be? What do you expect to have happen? And this is not about setting goals. This is dreaming. Uh, but it's also tapping into the dreams you're talking to other people about. So where does somebody, uh, I mean, I'm talking to a guy, a guy right now who does staffing. And what's the goal and objective of somebody that's there? Where do they see themselves? But if you want to, if you're in a, a business development position and you have to bring business into your company or you have to hire somebody, uh, I've talked to many people about the hiring process. Renee and I dealt with this years ago. It's how do you, uh, how do you interview somebody to find out what they want? Well, don't talk to them in 2020. Talk to them in 2026. Where do you imagine yourself being in 2026? The interesting part about that 
is when you can get somebody to do that on a consistent basis with some focus and concentration help, um, you start to deliver a message to your subconscious mind. It says, this is what I want to have happen. And then we look backwards from 2026 to today for anything you could possibly do to screw that up. So somebody working for a company, they're concerned about being breached. What does that look like? What, what do we need to look like? What are the possible ways somebody could breach us? How do we tighten up our security? All of these things uh, are what I think you need to be thinking about. Agreed, Dan. And James Alex Azar, I'm I'm gonna jo- I'm gonna play around with him. Right now. <laughs> he, said, he said you didn't call me Alex. <laughs> and then Danielle says James J Azar. Good morning, Alex. <laughs> um, one of the things that James said, and, and I want to just reiterate that, is that it's just been such a taxing year overall, right? And specifically in this space, in the security world, where we everybody was stretched, already stretched thin due to the pandemic, due to the lockdown. Like, you know, people are just working around the clock anyway, and then this thing hits. And so having... Um, just having someone like you to 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 provide the kind of guidance that you have. I mean, the reason why we started doing these so frequently is because of the pandemic. It's like my world is swirling, people's worlds are swirling, things are locked down, everyone's home, kids are home. You know, your life is just shifting so quickly. Um, and then bringing you in to say, okay, this is how you focus. I mean, even you do you did it with me. <laughs> Renee, this is, what you, this is what you need to do. You had that pot of soup, everything in silos, you know, like just sharing your wisdom and your strategies. And so the subconscious part, I think that people tend to maybe dismiss is just so very important. Because like you said, you don't have time to think about what you're going to do. It's just like you're jumping right in. Right. I find that they don't look at it. That, you know, it's something that's there that's saying, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And nobody tells them because they don't know how to communicate with their subconscious mind. Frankly, I, you know, with every one of my athletes, I have a, uh, a hypnosis-like strategy to get somebody right back into where they want to be. So my clients who will say, I'm stressed, I'm in a stress situation, they put their thumb and index finger together, with some suggestions that I've given them over a period of time. Uh, and they relax. They can't believe it. And it lasts for the rest of your life. I've had people say to me, boy, you know, we did this 15 years ago when I was in a doctor's office and I, I was going through an examination. I did this. And it was amazing. I'll, I'll relay a story. I, I had an MRI two weeks ago and, uh, it was a two-hour MRI. I was in this tube for two hours. I'm okay, but I was in this tube for two hours. And the technician said to me, are you okay? I said, I'm not here. He said, where are you? I'm skiing in Snowmass in Colorado. You can do whatever you want, but I'm not even here. <laughs> so the question is, can you take yourself out of where you are to someplace else? But Renee mentioned something before. I found that people tend to take everything that's going on in their life and they drop it into a big pot. And I say, it's like watching it, looking at a pot of stew. You know, you see the meat and the potatoes and the carrots and everything, and the onions all floating around. 
And then when they want to deal with those issues, they go into the pot. We've been using a silo system for years. People silo each individual situation. And when they post the silos up on a wall, their subconscious mind goes from one to the other, just like a quarterback will send two receivers out. He doesn't, he doesn't look at this one and say, yes, it. No, he, he knows his, his training lets him know who's going to be able to get in a position where he can hit him with a pass. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. And if it sounds like competition, you do. We had somebody call us up early on here say, you know, this sounds very competitive. You sound like you're in competition. I don't like competition. I said, well, get out of cybersecurity then because all you're doing is competing with people who are trying to breach you. And I'm any, anybody who's on this call who's got any type of sports background, you may, you, you may find that you can take some of the strategies you use for performing well in your sport and apply it to what you're doing now. Let's see what Danielle says. Tell yourself where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. Absolutely. Because if you tell yourself where you don't want to go, that's exactly where you're going to wind up. Dan, you know what I like about this comment that Danielle made is when you talked about how your subconscious subconscious mind doesn't register negatives. Right. And I think that's another area of importance that people may not fully grasp or pay attention to, or, you know, it's almost like you tell your children, don't do this, don't do that. And then they do immediately. Well, I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't work for you. It works for me every time with my kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. But, you know, uh, see what talking about kids, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I wrote this article called You Incorporated, which is to let a kid who's a, a student who has some dreams about their future in a particular sport or whatever and uh, have them uh, talk about themselves in a different way, allowing a kid to dream and saying, you know, some of these kids are running a business. So you may have a kid who's, a, who's an aspiring athlete who's really good at the sport that they're dealing with. Uh, they may want to go to college. They may want to get a scholarship. They may, may want to play professionally. Uh, but they, they, don't know, uh, they don't know how to put this stuff together in a way that it's positive for them. So finding ways to do that become specific to a particular kid or a particular sport that they're dealing with. But, you know, uh, helping a kid realize their dreams is absolutely wonderful. And Dan, you said, you also talked about earlier, um, Danielle says, Danielle always has great comments. She says here, I take what I learned here and give my daughter the tools to... Did you hear that, Dan? I didn't hear the tools too. Oh, no, she takes what she hears from our sessions and our discussions and she gives them over to her daughter. How old is so, her daughter? How old is her daughter? I don't know. Ask her. Danielle, <laughs> we just did. <laughs> I said, we just did. How old is your daughter, Danielle? Let us know. And then uh, Abrima says, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, 
damn, when you talk to my son, he was eight and it it was it was a you could see you could see I could see his mind churning. Like he really wanted to see or he really was internalizing the things that you said. Danielle's daughter's 12. Okay. What sport did she play? We don't know. So we'll wait to hear back from Danielle. But if if, if Danielle, if you want to send me an email with uh, cybersecurity in the subject bar, I'll send you stuff for her about sports and performance for kids. So she wants to be a robotics engineer. Okay. That so that's that's the dream. So my my question is kung fu. Well, I I studied martial arts and so did my kids for years. So I can certainly help her with that. But one of my long-term clients uh, is a 56-year-old mixed martial arts cage fighter. She won her last fight in 49 seconds using some of these strategies to transport herself into the cage before she ever got there. We did it for three weeks over the phone. And to, to show you some of the some of the challenges I have, when the ring announcer said to her, what do you attribute your success to? She said, well, I'm an ultra runner. I never get tired. You might beat me, but you'll never tire me out. And then they, they asked that she thanked her husband and her trainers. And I said, I said, Jody, you never thanked me. She said, do you think I'm giving your name to somebody I'm going to fight in six weeks? She says, you're crazy. But if you send me an email, I'll send you some stuff for your daughter, Danielle. It'd be a lot of fun. Dan, uh, Jeff says, the community appreciates your insight, Dan and Renee, as always. Thank you, Jeff. So Dan is here. I mean, Dan, what's awesome about Dan is Dan has dealt with so many different things. And for anybody that's jumping on this for the first time, uh, Dr. Dan Schaefer is, he works with C-suite executives, sports people, uh, professional athletes, student athletes, and really focuses on peak performance. And so, you know, Dan and I met years and years ago. He, he put me, like, just like how he was on his, he was on the ski slopes. There were a couple of times, especially during my pregnancies, which tend to be uh, <laughs> high, st- high stress situations. <laughs> We've, uh, He's helped me, you know, be on beaches and being elsewhere while I'm going through stressful situations. So um, I know firsthand the type of work that Dan does. And, um, you know, because of this, I mean, Dan's written books on grief, written books on, you know, with after after September 11th. Um, and just provides so much insight on how to deal with these types of situations. And because in these high pressure, you know, stressful um, environments when it comes to specifically work stress, um, really giving us insight and giving us tips on on what we can do um, to stay focused, to not be, you know, everything swirling around and, you know, we're swirling too. Um, but Dan, I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier around some of the ways that we talk to ourselves. And I know we're at the 31 minute mark. We're going to wrap up soon. But I wanted you to to, to go into, you said something um, and it made me think about this. You said 
we talk to ourselves sometimes the way we wouldn't let anyone else talk to us. Exactly. And I just wanted to kind of reiterate that because that's so true. I feel like sometimes, you know, you're saying stuff that you would never, somebody else said that to you, you look at them like, you know, <laughs> like they were crazy. Like, it would go beyond that. Talk to me like that. But, you know, tra trash talk, people don't know how well that works in sports, uh, but trash talk on yourself works really, really well because it's in your own voice. Uh, sometimes it's not your voice, but most times it is your own voice. So how do you control that? And can, it comes back to everything we've talked about, Renee. Can, you, can somebody afford not to do this? Can you really, really afford not to take care of yourself, invest in working on these type of things for yourself, to look at it and also to think about beyond yourself to the people who are your teams, who you work with, who you're responsible to mentor. And that's, that's really important stuff. But it's, listen, you see, you can't control something you can't hear, see, or feel. So you can be in a situation where you don't feel comfortable, you feel anxious, you feel uh, some feeling within your body. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, people said to me, well, you know, when I'm involved in a high pressure situation, I get nervous. And I'm saying, well, is it really nervousness or is it something else? I found with a lot of my athletes, I say, well, if you think you're nervous and you have to act nervous and afraid. However, if you translate the feeling in your body into the feeling that it's a drop of adrenaline to give you more energy to deal with what you have to deal with, it changes the fight. So Jody does not want to go into a fight uh, without that feeling. I have a guy who worked with a heavyweight prize fighter. Same thing. You know, they want to feel they want to feel that energy and, and but they don't they don't define it negatively. They don't say, Oh, I'm afraid to go in. So it's listening to that conversation. And I always tell people I work with, I said, when we begin, just listen to what you say to yourself and how you talk to yourself. And let me know. What's going on around you? I mean, if you're in an empty room by yourself and you're talking to yourself, that's one thing. But if you're going into a particular meeting, if you're going into a particular situation, you need to, uh, you need to be able to uh, control what you say to yourself because it will contaminate your performance. Dan is getting live in your household. That, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> They're still waiting for you to pick up, Renee. <laughs> waiting for me to pick up. <laughs> you got a lot going on. So Dan, Danielle says, thank you, Dan and Renee. I am going to wrap it up on this one. Dan, the next time you come back, I do want to talk more about Jody. There was another thing you talked about with worry and how having a having that that time, um, you know, a specific time. And so, so we, can, we could do it. Do we have do we have two yeah, minutes? Yeah, we have a couple minutes. Yep, you could do that right now. So here's the thing. People say, I, I, I will ask an audience, do you worry? And some people put their hand up. Other people don't. I said, everybody who's thinking about worrying, but I have a strategy for worry. Worry can be very distracting. So let's say you decide that you want to control your worry. So you pick a time of day that you're going to worry. 5 to 5.15. 5 
And at five o'clock, you have to go into a corner and sit there and worry about whatever you've thought about all day. So let's say you get up in the morning, you start to you start to worry, and uh, you just go five o'clock, five o'clock, five o'clock, and your subconscious mind will let you put the worry thing off until five o'clock because the worry contaminates your performance. It distracts you. Now, it may not be the same with everybody, but it certainly works for a lot of people. And you put that, you put that situation out there, and then it, it'll work for you as long as you show up. You have to show up at 5 o'clock to sit in the corner and worry about what you put off a whole day. But the reason it comes back to Jody is, is that she took feelings that she had about her performance in this bad water. And the bad water, for anybody who isn't aware of it, is a 135-mile race through Death Valley in the summer. And she did that a couple of times. But we would take the feelings that she had that were negative and put it someplace else so she could deal with it in a different way when she was better prepared for it. But it also helps people to anticipate stuff. So when you go into a situation and you go, okay, I don't hear any crowds. The puck is the size of a dinner plate. You, you know what it's like when you perform at your best. And you could all do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I like that. Set a time to worry. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. And you said, Dan, you have to go back at that time. Oh yeah, if you don't if you don't show up at five between five and five fifteen, your subconscious mind is gonna hey get out of here. Leave. You know, I, I I've been waiting, you didn't come, I'm finished with you. Yeah. Okay, Dan, awesome tips. Thank you so much for being here today on Tuesday. Um, you know, with all that is happening, we really appreciate you. The community does. Um and and you know, appreciate you providing your info. And as usual, you guys can reach out to Dan. Dan's website is danschafer.com. Um, no, Dan at Dan, Dan, yeah, danschaferphd.com. Sorry, danschaferphd.com. And the email is dan at danschaferphd.com. If anyone wants it, you know how to reach me, especially on LinkedIn. Ping me, I'll give you Dan's info. Um, and, and it's on his website too. Um, but Dan is a fan of texts and emails. So feel free to reach out. Thank you again, Dan. This was really, really helpful. And Great. Insightful. And um, we'll see you again next week. See you next week, guys. All right. Bye, everybody.